Well, if you'll turn in a copy of God's Word to uh, Psalm chapter 86, uh, Lord willing, we will be beginning our series on 1 Peter next Sunday. But I wanted to share with you a psalm that is very dear to my heart, uh, very dear to my soul. The Lord has used greatly in my life, uh, and I wanted to uh, prayerfully hope that it, it also is used in your life as well. well. Before we read, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on our time. Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading and preaching of your word. Father, as we come to you, help us by your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that we might understand not just facts and figures, but Lord, that you might change us, change our affections. We might be spurred on to holiness and that you might grow us in your grace. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. Psalm 86, starting at verse 1. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor, and those who hate me may see and be put to shame. Because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. In his book, uh, Being There, author Dave Furman writes, It seems counterintuitive, and yet for some reason it is easier in difficult moments to live in anxiety rather than to run to Jesus. Read that again. It seems counterintuitive, and yet for some reason, it is easier in difficult moments to live in in anxiety rather than to run to Jesus. Do you find that to be true in your life? That when things are hard, it's a lot easier just to be worried all the time. To live in fear. To fret. Or possibly even live in self-pity. It's a lot easier to so focus on those emotions that we forget or perhaps refuse to run to the Lord for strength. 
It takes a deliberate action. It takes intentionality. It even takes a prompting of the Holy Spirit to cause us to run to the Lord. Oftentimes we, we live like the church in Laodicea, which we studied Wednesday night. This lukewarm church that, that thought they didn't need Jesus. They said they didn't need anything at all. And, and so we live as self-sufficient lives while our lives are upside down and ruined. And it's easier to live in anxiety than to run to Jesus. This is why I love Psalm 86. Because of verse 11. Unite my heart to fear your name. I find that so often when things are good and bad, not just in bad times, that my heart is divided as we echo those words of, of Paul in Romans chapter 7, I do the things I hate and I hate the things that I do. I know the good that I ought to and I don't do it. My heart is divided. It is often divided between good and evil. divided between the fight from the flesh and the spirit of relying upon self and relying upon Lord. And, and oftentimes it's not an either or, it's, it's a both and as we even echo those words of Mark 9. I believe, help my unbelief. So what a precious prayer that David prays. Unite my heart to fear your name. Oftentimes, times of hardship um, demonstrate what's truly in our hearts. Have you ever seen those little capsules from your childhood or perhaps your children's childhood that you, uh, you put in hot water and, uh, and the capsules, they, they dissolve? And inside there's a little sponge. And the sponge soaks up the water and it turns into something else. And it ends up being much larger than it originally was. And so often hardship and trials are the hot water that dissolve the facades that we put up to find out what's truly inside, to magnify what's really there. And so I find myself often praying two verses out of this psalm. Unite my heart to fear your name. Verse 11, verse 4, gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift my soul. As we fight this battle to have a heart that is united before the Lord, we cry out that the Lord would gladden us and give us strength. For we fight to just raise our soul to Him, to not raise it to another. We have three things this morning I want to look at, uh, as you'll see in your handout, that When we call out to the Lord for grace and for help, He hears us. He hears us because our relationship with Him. He hears us ultimately because we are His children, and He acts because of His character. This is kind of a broad outline of this text. David found himself in a pretty serious predicament. They were not entirely sure what was going on. It's interesting that he doesn't spend a lot of time telling the Lord about what's going on. We ought to tell the Lord everything that's going on in our lives to bring to Him all our supplications, all our anxieties, all our fears and worries, and tell Him. But but David here doesn't wallow in self-pity. Instead, he begins the psalm by asking the Lord for help, and then only later he just briefly mentions the issue. Now, if we were facing this issue, perhaps, well, I know my prayer would be much more focused on the particulars. We see this in verse 14. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. That's all we know. 
That's all we know about David's situation. But it was apparently a pretty tough one. That people were trying to kill him. And so David runs to his Lord. The focus here of this text is amazing. It isn't upon his situation. It's about the Lord. Over and over and over again, David is going to plead for help, but in a way that is directly tied to God's character and his relationship with him. The focus of the psalm is not on David, even though he is the one who is being relentlessly, relentlessly pursued by folks who would have him dead. He focuses on the Lord for his strength. Do you have trouble with that? I know I do. It's so much easier to be um, consumed with self than to cast our cares upon the Lord and beseech Him for help. David requests four things. I didn't put this in your outline as an oversight. I want to, if you're taking notes, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. He, he asks the Lord to hear his prayer. He asks for physical help, spiritual help, and for wisdom. To hear his prayer, physical help, spiritual help, and for wisdom. But it's interesting, I counted up all the different ways that he asked the Lord uh, for help. In 17 verses, he makes 16 direct requests from God. It is chocked full of requests for help. But they call, all come under this, this heading of verse 3 and verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me. The word gracious refers to God's favor and His compassionate and merciful acts that He does on behalf of His children, as one dictionary puts it. David is asking for help, and he's asking for it in four different ways. And the first, as you can guess, when folks are trying to kill you, what do you pray for? Lord, help me. Save me. Please don't let me die. Save my life. But we see that he begins, though, in verse 1, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. I love the picture here. This is called personification. God doesn't have an ear. He is spirit. But when you apply something of a human nature to God, this is called personification. Just like we would do with our, our cats and our dogs. You know, we give them names and give them ideas and emotions that they may or may not have. I know your cat does, but everybody else's doesn't. And so, so David calls on the Lord. He says, Lord, incline your ear to me. Like, cup your ear. The pager's going off. The, the ding has happened on your iPhone. Lord, incline your ear to me and hear my plead for grace. For I am poor and needy. Did you ever use the phrase, just hear me out? <laughs> just hear me out. Now, we know that when we say, just hear me out, it's not just, uh, you know, listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. It's listen and respond, just hear me out. That's what David's praying. Lord, hear me out. Help me. So David prays that the Lord would hear his prayer and for his physical well-being. We see this in verse 2. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. <laughs> Preserve my life. It's an honest prayer. This is not metaphorical. This, this means what it says, that his life is in danger. And he asks the Lord to protect him. The Lord God is in control of all things. He's in charge even of those men who are seeking his life. We don't know who they are. They may have been a, a palace coup. Could have been one of his sons. Could have been enemies 
that we're trying to get him. We may not have um, enemies trying to kill us each and every day, Lord willing, that's not the case. But we certainly face physical problems every day, don't we? Sometimes they're life or death. This morning I got a text to one of my closest friends, Marcus Schumach. He often joins us. He sits down here with Christy. He's, he's moving to Castleberry in four years and he retires and he's going to join our church. A great, wonderful man, he and his wife Jenny. And I received a text this morning that he'd had a massive heart attack. And um, as I was preparing this sermon, he's not someone who's being pursued by enemies, but he is someone who was facing life and death. Preserve his life, I prayed, for he is godly. The Lord preserves the life of His children, the life of His children, lives of His children in His hands. Verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. He needed help. And to whom did He go? He went to the Lord. Do we always go to the Lord for help? The answer must be no, right? We ought to. But it's a constant struggle. He also asks for emotional and spiritual help. Um, you know, when we face physical trials, they aren't just physical. Uh, they, they affect us emotionally. They affect us spiritually in deep ways, uh, some more than others. And uh, When physical ailments come, I, I don't have the problem of waking up with pain and going to bed with pain every night like many of you do. I haven't had to deal with that. But I know as I watch you that emotion, that's a hard thing. And David cries out for help. He is, he is facing a physical issue that has deeply affected him emotionally and spiritually. Verses 3 and 4, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. He has been crying for some time. There's tension here because he has been crying, but apparently it has not been resolved. In fact, the, the psalm does not end with resolution. His enemies are still pursuing him. He cries all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. David's been pull, pouring out his soul, his heart, day and night. And he asked the Lord might gladden his soul. How often do our hearts need to be gladdened? And how infrequently do we run to the Lord to gladden them? We run to the television. We run to distractions. We run to hobbies. We run to, to alcohol. We run to drugs. We, we run to all sorts of things. And oftentimes we run to the Lord last when, all those, when none of those things work. Gladden the soul of your servant, O Lord, for to you do I lift my soul. The, the implication here is that he is lifting his soul alone to the Lord. He is forsaking all others looking to and seeking the Lord, desiring for His help. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift my soul. That's a great verse to, to commit to memory. There are other gods like God, we find in verse 8. The works of these so-called gods, they do not compare to the one true God. And so He lifts up His soul to Him. You know, um, I... I Yesterday I was shopping somewhere where they had some, uh, you know, I love fountain pens. And they had um, Pelican fountain pens for $800 and, uh, and Mont Blanc pens for like four and $500. And so I said, I'm just going to hold one of those things. And, uh, you know, I, I've held a lot of those things in stores. Uh, but, you, you know, when I, when I picked it up to write with it, it didn't feel right. 
So I got talking to the guy about this $800 Pelican pen. He said, oh, it's not $800. I can do a little better on that. I was like, I can't get you anywhere near what you're asking for this thing. I mean, I, you know, just nothing. And uh, he said, I can give you half price. Half price. And I mean, still, you know, you're still looking at 400 bucks, But you don't, you don't discount a genuine $800 pen to half price. It felt wrong because it was wrong. It was not a real Pelican fountain pen. How oftentimes we run to counterfeit things that might look good and appealing on the outside. If you walked into my office and saw this shiny pen, you say, oh, that's a great pen. But it's not. How often do we run to things that look pretty but will not gladden our hearts? He prays for wisdom. Verse 11, teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. You know, it'd be tough to know what to think and what to do when everybody's trying to kill you. Uh, you need some wisdom there, don't you? Um, we're told in Scripture in James that, that God gives wisdom without reproach. That we, it's not a problem when we tell the Lord, hey, I have no clue what I'm doing here. He likes that attitude, by the way. He loves it when we run to him and say, God, I haven't a clue how to deal with this situation. He loves that. And we ask for him for help. And, and David asks the same thing. Teach me your way. There's one way. It's the way, the truth, and life. Ultimately, look, look to Christ, the one who gives us his strength. We have the word of God. You know, David had a fantastic relationship with the Lord, but you know, we have more than David did. David had bits and pieces of the Old Testament. He wrote a good bit of it. Uh, but after his death, uh, around 970 A.D., he would, you know, we would have the prophets, we'd have the rest of the wisdom literature, we'd have the, the writings, we'd have the New Testament, we'd have the um, revelation of Christ. We have so much more than David did. And as we think about where we run and we seek the Lord's truth and we seek His wisdom for whatever we're facing, as we seek the Lord for for gladness, as we seek for a united heart, what does He use to gladden and unite our hearts? He uses His Word as the Spirit works in and through His Word. Is your heart united? If it's like mine, up and down, right? Wax and wanes. We want to have a united heart before the Lord to fear Him and to be gladdened. We run to Him in His Word. He might help us and teach us his ways. Well, David is going to ask a lot of things from the Lord. These uh, 16 imperatives, these 16 requests that he has. He isn't afraid to ask God for a lot of things, and nor should we. And he does it in the knowledge that the Lord will hear him because he is his child, and he has a relationship with the Lord. Um, There are privileges with a relationship, aren't there? There's a great picture, I encourage you to Google it later, later. Uh, when, uh, when JFK was in the Oval Office with many of his advisors, and they're all serious, talking about who knows what. And there, you know, the middle of the presidential desk from the HMS Resolute, it opens, and there was Jack Jr. crawling through, while who knows what kind of decisions were made. Relationships bring privilege with them. Jack Jr. may have been crawling around in the Oval Office, but we are crawling around in our Father's world. We have privileges, too, of a relationship with the Lord. He is our God. We see this in this text. First, that, that, that God is David's covenantal God. If you notice those all caps, L-O-R-D, it stands for Yahweh or Jehovah is often translated. This is the covenantal name of God of promise. All of his, his promises are tied to this wonderful name, Yahweh. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. So he tells uh, Moses in Exodus 4 um, 
this is the Lord. This is the Lord that has made promises to David to fulfill his desire for a house. Uh, Not to build a house for God, but for a house for David. A king who will sit on the throne forever, ultimately pointing us to Jesus. So he says, incline your ear, O Yahweh, and answer me. There's also a relationship between master and uh, servant. Verse 2, preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. Our God is a good master and looks out for his servants. But the most precious in verse 2, you are my God. There were many gods, quote-unquote, of David's day, just like there are many gods of our day, quote-unquote. Their names were um, Baal, Asherah, Molech, and others. Ours are stuff, um, possessions, success, reputation, sports, hunting, hobbies. We have gods too. And he didn't look to these things for help. He looked ultimately to his God because his God was a personal God. And he loved him. And his God loved him. But as believers in in Christ, we have something more as it has been revealed to us that we are not only those who can name God as our God, we are those who can call God our Abba, our Daddy, our Father. John 1, 12-13. But to all who did receive him, Christ, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When we think about that relationship between Jack Jr. and his dad, you know, he, he had access to his father, the president, like no one else did. And we have access to the one who, the only one who can unite our hearts and gladden our souls, the very one who sent his son to die for us, Christ. Well, David is asking for these things. And the Lord hears because he is his God, this relationship, and he acts because of his character. You know, it's interesting, in the 16 um, requests for help in this text, there are 23 descriptions of the Lord. Isn't Isn't that interesting? There are more descriptions of the Lord in this. It's not a very long psalm. It's, a, it's one column on, in my Bible, one column and two lines. It's not one of the lengthier ones. And in this three stanza psalm, there are 16 requests and tw- at least 23 descriptions of the Lord. He appeals to God's character. The first we see in verse 7, In the day of my trouble I call upon you for you answer me. We have a God who answers our prayer. He loves to answer the prayers of his people. You know, I once wrote a um, a letter to President Obama, uh, and I can't even remember what I wrote it about. But you know, he didn't hear it. He didn't listen to me. Uh, I don't even remember what I asked him for. I don't remember if I, I don't know if I challenged him on a policy position or just tell him I was praying for him. I, I legitimately don't remember. But, but he didn't listen or hear me. And I don't mean that he didn't do what I said. I mean, he didn't have access to this piece of paper that I sent him. He never saw this thing. It probably never got within 100 miles of this guy. But I got a form letter back. You know, thank you, Mr. So-and-so. We thank you for the prayers of the clergy. You know, these sorts of things. That's not how God works. We don't have to go through a bureaucracy. We don't have to go through 1,200 secretaries. We don't have to go through some priest at a church. 
We have access before our God. He hears our prayer. In fact, David, in verse 13, it's it's interesting. um, In appealing for God to help, he he references something potentially in the past or or maybe even putting in the past tense what he's going to do. We're not sure. Verse 13, you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Commentators are divided if he's actually talking about anticipating that the Lord will answer his prayer or looking back at how he's done it in the past. Either way, his... his, um, his confidence is that the Lord will hear him. Well, I love verse 15. I think this might be my third favorite verse in this passage, um, followed by 4.11. Uh, I, love I, love, I love this verse. But you, O Lord, you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How many of the 23 descriptions of the Lord are contained in this one verse? So often we look at the Lord who just gives us barely what we need. You know, just, just enough to scrimp by. Or, or God who, who may or may not help us. Who may or may not unite our hearts. Who may or may not gladden our souls in the day of trouble. But that's not the picture of this text. He has abundant, steadfast love. His faithfulness is huge and grand. And he loves to lavish it upon his people. The Lord helps us when we call upon him for grace, for help, because we are his children. And he acts because of his character. And part of his character is he's a God who would send his son to die for us. For wretches like you and me who deserve to go to hell, who are going to hell apart from his intervention. And he would send his son to experience hell on the cross that He might lavish His steadfast love upon us, that He might be faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to Him, that He might hear our prayer and not forsake us even though He forsook His Son on the cross for us. Do you remember uh, the hour that you first believed? How precious God's grace was to you that day and how glad your soul was? If you don't know the Lord, I do pray that your heart would be gladdened today. That you would turn to Him and have the the weight of your guilt taken off yourself because it's been placed on Jesus. Unite our hearts to fear Your name, O God. Let's pray. Lord, our hearts are divided. Help us. Gladden the soul of Your servant. For to You, O Lord, do we lift up our soul only to You. And yet, even as we pray that, we know that we struggle with that every day. Help us more and more to trust you, increase our faith as we consider even more of your steadfast love which you have lavished upon us through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. It is in his name that we ask it. Amen.